Hello, and thank you for listening to the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal podcast. The Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal is co-sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators and the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics. My name is Ava Thanheiser, and I'm talking today with Charmaine Mangram from the University of Hawaii at Manoa and Kathy Sun from Santa Clara University. We will be discussing the article, Supporting Pre-Service Secondary Mathematics Teachers' Professional Judgment Around Digital Technology Use, which was published in the February 2021 issue of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal. We will begin by summarizing the main points of the article and discuss in more depth the lessons they shared, their successes and challenges, and how this work relates to their other work. Charmaine and Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. So let's just jump right in. Can you give us a brief summary of the article, including the results? Sure, thanks. So we, in this article, we report on research that was conducted on, on an assignment that we created for and implemented in our secondary mathematics methods courses that are across two institutions. Um, and this assignment required pre-service teachers to select and evaluate um, digital mathematic tools of their choosing. So what we found was that when um, pre-service teachers evaluated these digital tools, they primarily focused on what we call pedagogical fidelity. And so we, an easy way of thinking about this is actually ease of use. They didn't really consider mathematical fidelity, which could be thought of as accuracy. So, and at times they superficially attended to cognitive fidelity, which is, could be defined as how well the tool reflects students' mathematical thinking processes. So in our study, we operationalize cognitive fidelity as the common core state standards for mathematical practice and also the five strands of mathematical proficiency that um, come from the NRC report and adding, adding it up. Okay, that was a lot of stuff. So there's three main things that you were looking at, right? Uh, cognitive fidelity, mathematical fidelity, and what was the third one? Pedagogical fidelity. Pedagogical. And we'll get into those a little bit later when we have some more time. So who should read this article? So we really think this article is relevant for mathematics teacher educators who really want to kind of explore ways to support teachers to critically evaluate technology. And both Charmaine and I think this is really important given all that's happening right now, and especially with the COVID and the the move to distance learning and even post-COVID with all this talk around blended models. And so we think there's a real importance given distance learning, as well as all the options of digital tools that are out there for mathematics teacher educators to be able to really help math teachers and support them to think about how do we select amongst all these hundreds of tools and mathematical digital apps that are available um, anywhere. If you, if you Google or you look at the app store or the Google store, there's so many math apps. So how do we support teachers to pick one to use in their classrooms? Um, and then furthermore, we think it's really important for mathematics teacher educators to support teachers because uh, there's kind of this move towards opportunities for students to learn without in person, with it, without a teacher being there in person. And so um, technology can really serve that function. But how do we find tools that are digital that can really support mathematics learning along different aspects of mathematical proficiency. So the idea is that there's lots of resources out there, but we don't really know how to choose. And you're focusing on 
I wouldn't say that we don't know how to choose. It's kind of being really intentional about how to choose and giving okay. kind of a framework and a lens to support teachers to be really intentional about their decision making, right? So even though the app store may say this is the hottest math app, really supporting teachers to, to wonder why is this the, 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 the top math app in the app store right now? And what are the proficiencies of mathematics, like a la either the five strands of proficiency that Charmaine alluded to, or even common core mathematical practices, the standards for mathematical practices, thinking, what are these actually attend to? What are these apps actually attend to? And giving them kind of different frameworks to look at the technology that's available. Okay, that really leads us when we started talking about uh, what is the important problem or the issue that you're addressing? And I think you already said some of it, but let's summarize it again. So I'll just build on that. So given the like the sheer number of apps that are available free for free and also for pay and the ratings that are provided may not have necessarily a mathematics or mathematics proficiency lens. So that's one of the challenges that uh, both in-service and teacher uh, pre-service teachers are confronted with that this just sheer number prevalence of all kinds of apps and mathematical apps or apps that are like labeled as mathematical apps. And then the other is that math teacher educators, there's just been many calls nationwide for us to prepare teachers to use technology to support students' mathematical development. Um, You know, more recently, the 2017 um, AMTE Standards for Preparing Teachers of Mathematics was published, um, and it calls for, for math teacher educators to support teachers in really becoming proficient in uh, selecting and using such tools. Um, so together, this you know, this idea that the apps are these digital tools are out there. And then the other idea is that math teacher educators, some of our work is now even more challenged by having so much out there and helping pre-service teachers and other teachers to figure out what tools might be useful for their classroom practice. Or even for us, for our own classroom practice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Oh, I think just building off of what Charmaine said too, I think what makes our, like one of our studies that we really wanted to be intentional about was to not just focus on one particular digital apps there or one particular type, like a, a geometry app or because we felt like the technology is changing so rapidly <laughs> and that if we were to kind of advocate for one particular technology, it may not be in existence two years from now if there's you know, no funding or what have you. And so we really wanted them to just have a framework to evaluate given the nature of technology changing so rapidly. So let's jump into your innovation or the assignment. And I'm wondering if you could paint a picture for us on how this assignment allows a pre-service teacher or anybody who uses it to evaluate an app. We designed this assignment and we called it the app review, where pre-service teachers were asked to find a math-related digital tool and evaluate it using their choice of frameworks, be it the eight standards for mathematical practice or the five strands of mathematical proficiency. So the assignment itself asks them to find a digital tool and then provide an evaluation using one of those two frameworks or both frameworks if they so choose. The assignment also asks future teachers to describe the mathematical content and to describe any features of the tool that they might find engaging for secondary mathematics learners. So they students might say something like they thought the app was fun because it had like gaming features or something. And we also asked students to pre-service teachers to rate 
the the app or the game, like using a really popular kind of referencing like a popular way of like rating movies, restaurants, you know, the star system. We modeled it so that hoping that the ratings would like require them to really push them to provide a critique, not just like a summary of the app that they found. Okay. So there's three things, if I understood correctly, what you said, that they were using a framework, which was either the five strands of mathematical proficiency or the eight common core standards of mathematical practice. Then they were also looking at the mathematics and then they were doing a rating. Those were the three different things they did with the app. Is that correct? They also had to add the engagement piece. So kind of any other features that they thought would be their students would find engaging. So it could be things like gamification. I think Charmaine alluded to that or nice images, things that kind of attend to the interest, the motivation to want to engage in the application. And um, the problem of practice that you guys laid out is that we are just inundated with these apps, right? And that this assignment would help us figure out a way of selecting apps. Is that correct? Yeah, it would help teachers and ourselves, like you mentioned, to kind of think about and evaluate and select apps and then recognizing that there's different purposes for different apps, perhaps. So for example, one app may be really procedurally driven, which is what you might find on a lot of the apps on the, on the app store or the Google Play store. But those serve a role because procedural fluency is one of the five strands of mathematical proficiency, but then recognizing how to look for potentially other strands in digital applications. So would say Geometry Sketchpad be an app that somebody could look at? Yeah, so we had students look at something comparable to Sketchpad. Some of them evaluated like uh, GeoGebra, which is um, okay, and so that could be one. And then they they had to justify kind of their rating. So they would they would kind of describe the app and say it's a geometry oriented app with possibilities for algebra, let's say. But then they we were really looking at the the depth of their justification in some ways. So some of them would say it's a good app, and then perhaps leave it like that. And then we were looking for the evidence that they would provide. If they said it, it attends to conceptual understanding, we wanted to see how they were seeing conceptual understanding in their description or their review of, of Sketchpad, in this case, GeoGebra. And so that was part of our purpose was to really use it as a formative assessment. Well, it served as a formative assessment for us to really see how our students, our pre-service teachers were able to make that connection and then give evidence for why they thought conceptual understanding was evident in such, such an app. Okay, so I would love for you to share one or two examples of how students walked through this assignment, but that probably fits better with the question about the evidence. So let's get to what what your research questions were, and then what evidence you had to answer those and what your response was. And because you had Many research questions. I'm wondering if you want to just go through the whole cycle per each question. So the first research question was a broader question that focused on what types of technology apps did the pre-service teachers actually select to focus on? And so we ran this, we collected data for two years. And so we realized that in the first year, there were quite a few students that picked content uh, apps that covered multiple content areas, but math was one of the contents. For example, it would be um, like IXL, I'm just going to name a couple, or Brainly, which were 
more kind of platforms that service many, many content areas. So in the second year, we did revise our tool or a prompt to actually ask for math specific apps. And then others picked, like you mentioned, Ava, things like a specific like GeoGebra or Desmos that were math specific. And then others picked kind of gamified, more digital kind of app games that you think of traditional games. So there was a range of different apps. That was kind of our first research question was to think about what kind of apps pre-service teachers chose. So the, re- the second research question was what aspects of pedagogical fidelity did the pre-service teachers attend to? And so I want to just define pedagogical fidelity once again. It can be thought of as like the ease of use of the tool, the technology tool. So when it has that a person can use the tool without many distractions or disruption. And so some of the findings was that like prior research researchers have found that the pre-service teachers actually devoted most of their review, the written review of their app on actually discussing various aspects of pedagogical fidelity, including like whether the app or the game was enjoyable or fun, according to them, whether a gamification features such as earning points, or of uh, being able to be competitive. The aesthetics, um, they attended to things like the types of colors were used or if it were bright colors. And also finally some, like if there were just in time opportunities. So opportunities to like get a hint just when they need it. Um, our students thought that was important. One of the most interesting findings related to pedagogical fidelity or ease of use was that um, our, our students included advice in their response for like others who are just learning to use the app itself. So they gave advice to other users, not like as teachers, but pretty much as learners. But they also included insights for those who are seeking to use a tool as a teacher. So they so they took two lenses, basically. So they approached it as for just themselves using the tool, like another just person and then as they took it a level up and also gave advice as if they were a teacher who wanted to use a tool, say, in a mathematics classroom. That's kind of cool. And as I was listening, I was thinking that really in reviewing an app, but they are in the position of the learner initially, right? Because that's what they're, that's how they're engaging with it. Yeah. So it's, it was interesting that like we assume because, it's, you know, this is for a methods course that they would take the lens of a teacher, but it does make sense developmentally that they would first talk about it as just their own initial experiences and reactions and then start thinking about their teaching. And this was at, and, and especially in relationship to the fact that some of many of them had not ever been in a class yet. There were a few who, who were practicing teachers, but most of them were um, hadn't yet had their own classrooms. Our next question was really focused on mathematical fidelity and wondering what aspects of mathematical fidelity, which is really mathematical fidelity is really the focus of accuracy. How accurate is the mathematics content in the app? Um, So we were wondering what aspects of mathematical fidelity do pre-service teachers attend to? And we kind of found that the pre-service teachers mentioned content, and that was most likely because our directions in the the app review task assignment asked them to address what content was mentioned, but they didn't really attend to mathematical fidelity in the sense that they didn't attend to the accuracy of the mathematics that was presented in the app. And I guess we thought that this happened because our directions didn't ask them to attend to it, perhaps, but we thought that if there was inaccuracy or accuracy, it might play into their evaluation, but it, it, didn't, it didn't play into it. We found that there was little attention to mathematical fidelity in our study. 
That is really interesting. And it makes me, when I was reading it, I was wondering what they thought their assignment was, right? We kind of wonder, like, in the next iteration, would we ask them explicitly to attend to the accuracy? I think perhaps it was an assumption we had made in writing the assignment, right? Talk about the content and an evaluation, perhaps mistakenly assumed that that would come up in some ways, that students would recognize it. Or maybe it would only come up if it was inaccurate, right? So maybe the apps that were attended to, there was no inaccuracy. It's really hard to say, but we wonder that as well, kind of, is it function of the directions <laughs> or an understanding the directions is your point to like, what did they think the purpose was? Or is it a function of the, the apps that they chose? There was no blatant mathematical inaccuracies. So perhaps there was no need to mention it. Yeah, because you provided them with a framework for, you know, where you had the strands of proficiency or the practice standards, but there wasn't a parallel mathematical framing. Is that correct? Yeah, we didn't have not a mathematical fidelity, which is, again, the accuracy of it. And I think part of it for Charmaine and I, we liked the framework that it was, um, the author was, his last name is Dick at the... um, 2007, his framework of the fidelity. So the pedagogical, mathematical, and cognitive fidelities. And we felt like the pedagogical and mathematical fidelity were pretty clear and would perhaps naturally come out in evaluations as per past studies have shown. And so, but Charmaine and I actually personally, we, we had a hard time conceptualizing cognitive fidelity in the very beginning. And we felt like we wanted to capture kind of students' processes as defined in, in Dick's framework, but we we didn't know how to view, like, how do you measure or capture it? So that's why Charmaine and I decided to use both the strands of proficiency and the, the standards for mathematical practice as a way to kind of operationalize cognitive fidelity. And so in our minds, we felt like mathematical fidelity and pedagogical fidelity were more, would naturally more come out, I guess, in some ways and needed, needed less of a framework to support students to understand that. So that's an interesting finding in itself, right? That it didn't come out as much as you thought it would. Yeah, and we can only hypothesize why that didn't come out. So we talked about in our next iteration, perhaps there's more intention to just a prompt that says in your evaluation and your critique, attend to the accuracy, the mathematical accuracy. And it, I mean, it, our findings are not, it aligns with past findings. A lot of the work in the past had really kind of been more so done at the elementary level and ours was at the secondary level, but a lot of teachers naturally tend to look at pedagogical fidelity, which again is kind of like the ease of access, ease of, ease of use. So those things like gamification, star systems, you know, just-in-time feedback, all of that kind of, those kind of attributes of apps tend to be what teachers attend to in the past, in past literature, tend to be more prominent than perhaps the other features. Yeah, as I'm listening, I'm also wondering Because some of the apps that you talked about cover like a lot of different content areas Mm -hmm. and some are more specific, right? And I'm wondering if the teachers even thought about like, for what content topic would I use this? So that is the one area that they were, they had a mathematical, like, they did discuss mathematical content, but like they didn't take the next step necessarily to talk about the accuracy of the mathematical contents that okay. was presented. So they did, they did mention quite a few, I don't have the, the numbers right now, but quite a few did mention like they think this was to be appropriate for an algebra classroom first semester or something like that. They were rather specific about who they, who the potential user could be with relationship to the math content, but not necessarily, there was no critique necessarily around the mathematics um, accuracy. Okay, and I th- do we have one more research question left? 
We do. We do. And this is actually the one that we're most excited about. Or we actually have the most curiosity with going further with this. So the last question was around um, what aspects of cognitive fidelity that the pre-service teachers attend to. And so our most high level finding was that the assignment did prompt all participants to attend to some aspect of cognitive fidelity as related to either the standards for mathematical practices or the five strands of mathematical proficiency. So that's the high level. I mean, in fact, uh, the largest percentage of the students were able to provide evidence for making a connection to the standards or the strands by providing evidence of what about specifically about the app connected to either the practice or the standards for practice, standards of practices or the five strands. So that's kind of like the high level. So the, the, the assignment did prompt them to think about cognitive fidelity in this particular way. And then they took it, they took it up and 74% of the students were, did provide adequate evidence or things what we consider adequate evidence. As we did a secondary analysis or a second level of analysis of their responses to think about like, well, how are they engaging with, like when they choose, it's connected to say a strand or a practice, like what are they actually doing? So we did a little bit of more work with that. And we realized that there were quite a few uh, student responses that simply like mentioned or listed the strand or the practice with no evidence provided at all. So they may have listed, say, four or five practices or strands just in order, just listed them out. It connects to practice one, two, three or four. Uh, that could be an example. That one might be an example. Or if um, they may have mentioned uh, a practice or a strand, but the evidence they provided, we disagreed with or we were unclear the connection that they were seeing between the practice or strand that they mentioned and the evidence they provided. So there were two places in which they were engaging with the review in a way different than we had anticipated. I was wondering, I'm in your appendix right now, and anybody who's listening, you can download the paper and see in the appendix which apps were being reviewed. But I was wondering if the if in the selection, pre-service teachers were like, oh, no, this is not going to work. I'm going to look for a different app versus did they just take the first one they found? <laughs> I say me I, more about what do you mean this isn't going to work? I don't know if you have data on this, but I'm assuming if I go home with this assignment, I might open an app and then open a different app and like open a different app and look at, oh, yeah, I don't want to do this one because I don't know how to answer the question. Mm. So I was kind of curious if like... The how many a choice was the one they finally settled on, but I don't think you have data to. Yeah, that's a really interesting that. question, though. Like, so why did they choose the app that they chose? Exactly. And so exactly. sometimes they would signal to it because it was something they had seen before, or something they their mentor teacher or they've used as a teacher, and they kind of wanted to evaluate it. But I don't know about the other ones. It'd be really interesting to see. Was it personally interesting to them? You know, there was a lot of this math of beauty is listed in there, and I never heard of that. And there was a photo math one. There was a couple of ones that were kind of related to art and math. And so, oh, yeah, I don't know if it was like a personal interest. That's yeah. a really interesting. It would be worth a question. Like, did you choose the first or second app that you found? And how did you how did you decide on the app to yeah. talk about? It could even be if you do further research that you just say, please list all the apps you looked at until you <laughs> figured it yeah. out. Because right. it would be interesting to see which ones they dismiss as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And 
I mean, and that's more uh, going to the point of this helping support teachers to evaluate and critique, like that really gives us insight into that process of filtering yeah. and evaluating, right? And so because they're already, they may already be doing this in the selection of the app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, really and it seems, point. it seems like there's like different levels of learning, right? Like one way is that the pre-service teachers learn about the app. The other way is that you learn about what, how they think about yeah. the app, but then you also we're mentioning formative assessment, like how are they justifying certain things? And to me, that's really an interesting piece as well, that like the formative assessment as we move through with our students, right? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think we're always trying to iterate on this assignment and with the goal of really kind of understanding and supporting thinking and in, in this, what we call like professional judgment around selection of technology or any mathematics instructional tool. <laughs> so that's really in- interesting. So we haven't really broken down yet what data you collected and how you analyzed it. And I'm wondering if you could just summarize really quick how you did that. Sure. So we, they, they had this app review assignment and they selected their app and responded to the prompts that Sarmaine alluded to, but the kind of summary was, you know, describe the app, what's the content, what features are engagement around mathematics with respect to the uh, standards for mathematical practice and the five strands of mathematical proficiency and the pedagogical fidelity, what aspects would be interesting for students. And then we broke it by each of the responses. We kind of coded for statements related to each of the fidelities. We first coded it along math or non-math related apps. So there were fewer non-related math apps in the second year after we gave the specific, we modified the task to say specifically math. And then we coded for each of the fidelities, the pedagogical, mathematical, and cognitive fidelity within each of the responses. And if anybody wants to know more, it's laid out very nicely in the paper. So let's wrap up by just kind of summarizing in a few sentences. So so you have in the paper, you provide this assignment. And um, you revised it and you tell us why you revised it. And then you give some thoughts about how you might revise it. And we just talked about it again. So summarizing, what is your contribution to our field? For one, what we contribute or this study contributes to our field, math teacher educators, is building upon other research around attending to fidelity in mathematical uh, digital technology tools. We contribute to that, that literature or that, that research by operationalizing what cognitive fidelity, how one might measure or look for cognitive fidelity in an app or a game. So that's one primary contribution of, of this work, because as Kathy mentioned earlier, that was a, a, a serious challenge when we looked across research. Cognitive study was kind of, was less well articulated than the others, a lot less examples from than the others. And so that's one thing we, we provide to the field. Another contribution is that it provides a potential formative assessment tool that other te- mathematics teacher educators might used to examine how well um, pre-service teachers actually can do that, like can look at attentive cognitive fidelity. So in time in, in our own methods class or in time in our own practice to do something about it. So using this assignment as a way of thinking about how do they 
understand cognitive fidelity in relationship to digital tools. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And you have the task in there, which is one of the things I love about MTE is that each article comes with something you can literally just take and implement. And so how do you see other math educators implementing your task? And would you think, is it, I know you did it in a secondary, but do you think that this task could be done in a K-12 setting or... Yeah, I think it's extendable. I mean, Charmaine and I would talk about even, you know, extending it to the, for uh, te- teachers at all grade levels, actually, even at the university level when they're evaluating technologies. I think okay. thinking about, I guess, this multidimensional nature of apps so that there would be a kind of across the suite of apps that teachers choose, there would be attention to the various ways that students can engage in the different aspects of mathematical proficiency. So we definitely think it's, ex- it's ex- extendable beyond secondary. Our methods courses for this data collection was just focused on secondary levels. But we just encourage people to take it and like we already discussed earlier, like modify it and tweak it and see. And for our own learnings, we realized that we need to, because of what Charmaine was saying in the findings, how like the, the justification for some of the mathematical practices weren't as clear that that makes us reflect on our own practice and how clearly did we in our methods courses unpack some of the the, the mathematical practices and, and strands of proficiency. Yeah. And then even just, we're really kind of trying to emphasize supporting and justifying, just like we want for our students, justifying your reasons, right? And so if they're going to say it's a good app, we really want to be able for teachers to be able to say why they think it's a good app and be able to articulate that. And so really working on supports about how do you justify and provide evidence for your evaluation. And so again, that, that responsibly rests us, uh, on us as mathematics teacher educators to really kind of be clear about our expectations, I think, is something we personally reflected on and maybe recognizing that the students didn't know what level of evidence they needed to provide in this review. And so that ties to if people modify, like attending to those and being really clear about the goals and expectations of the assignment as well. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. For further information on this topic, you can find the article on the Math Teacher Educator website. This has been your host, Ava Thanheiser. Thank you for listening and goodbye.